Hello, this is Steve, and we're with Weidler Brothers of Compass in the D.C. metro area, and you're listening to the Real Talk podcast. This is Naomi Klein representing the Compass office in Beverly Hills, and you're listening to the Real Talk podcast. What up, everybody? This is Chef Jack Harris at the uh, Talk Team podcast. This is Jade with the Jessica Northrup team from Denver, Colorado, and you are listening to the Real Talk podcast. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Real Talk. Again, low subscribers, I always appreciate you all. And if you're brand new to the uh, to the show, welcome. Uh, we talk everything real estate, whether it's New York City. I've had guests from Santa Barbara to Chicago to LA to Miami. Uh, we've had the founder of uh, The Real Deal. We've had top attorneys and all the characters that build out our incredible industry uh, i've been proud to have on the platform and today to add to the excitement on the real talk podcast i have none other than nancy Wu on the show she's been graceful enough to give us a little bit of her time today nancy Wu leads the real the research efforts at street easy as the economist using data science and econometrics to publish original research on the new york city housing market she was born in china nancy moved to socal at the age of six years old Nancy quickly became uh, a public figure within Easy. She's been featured on CBS, MSN, Yahoo, Forbes, Curb, The New York Times, Gothamist, Market Watch, uh, and even The Commercial Observer, to name a few. I'm sure I missed a couple. Uh, she was recently recognized last month as Crane's New York Business uh, Rising Stars in Real Estate, alongside some of uh, our New York City's most talented and influential industry pros. Uh, going back before joining StreetEasy, Nancy worked at the NERA Economic Consulting Finance Practice, and prior to that, an economic policy at the White House and the, Cine, and the Center for American Progress. Nancy has a master's degree in economics, obviously, for development, economics for development, from the University of Oxford, and she also has casually obtained a triple major of economics, government, and gender studies at Dartmouth. So what can you not do? Nancy, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Also, for, for, your, rest, for your listeners, please follow Nancy on Twitter at Nancy F. Wu. Again, it's Nancy F. Wu on Twitter. Or you can look up Nancy Wu on LinkedIn. She is the only Nancy Wu that works at Street Easy. So Nancy, again, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for joining us from SoCal. So you, I, I guess you're working remotely right now. I am. I've been working remotely since March, so been hanging out in SoCal lately and looking at all the deals in Manhattan, just waiting to go back, basically. The, the, let's just start off with some warm-up questions, right? You, you uh, obviously, like a lot of other thousands of other people, um, hundreds of thousands, who knows, of people that actually still work for a New York City-based company but are currently working remotely from out of town. Uh, about, I read on McCrane's business, about 8% of the office spaces are currently being used in the city. When do you think you'll be coming back to this city? And when do you think we'll get above that 8% figure in New York City, as far as commercial space being used is concerned? It's, that's, that's a really good question. I plan on coming back probably in a, January or February in 2020 or 2021. Um, I just want to spend like the rest of the year at home and then start a new lease once I go back. 
though I know a lot of people are moving back now because of how many good deals there are on the market. And I have friends who work remotely in Boston and San Francisco who are just deciding to live in New York now because they can live and work wherever. Um, for office space, a lot of companies have decided to work remotely for the long term indefinitely. So Zillow and TreeDZ is one of those. Okay. But a lot of other companies I know are planning on opening back up in 2021 in, in either the winter or the summer. But it really depends on public health protocols when we get a vaccine and a lot of other up in the air policies. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I, you know, the major question as far as our topic today is in the Manhattan rental market is the population of New York City has been affected because of the work from home policy, uh, particularly big companies like Google and Facebook, and uh, they're just announcing that work from home policy for the not just for the rest of the year, but even going into next year. So that's definitely going to reduce the population of people that are going to be coming into these core cities, whether it's not just New York City, but whether it's San Francisco or Boston or Washington, D.C. How much of an impact do you think we have seen in, here in Manhattan? as far as the rental market is concerned, because of the office vacancies being so high? Manhattan has definitely seen the biggest impact from office vacancies compared to the outer boroughs for a few reasons. One is that a lot of Manhattanites are no longer, they no longer want to pay extra for that commuting premium to live close by to their offices now that they don't have to be in their offices. So people whose leases are up are moving to the outer boroughs in order to get more space for more affordability while not having to worry about the commute time as much. So that's one reason. Another reason is that a lot of Manhattanites are more mobile and come from out of state. So they have other homes outside of New York City that they are returning to temporarily or permanently. Like myself, I'm going back to California and a lot of my colleagues have also gone back to their hometowns. And we plan on coming back, but it still adds to the lower demand that we're seeing this summer for rentals in Manhattan. Sure. And another group of Manhattanites are people who have, are planning on leaving the city permanently because in one or two years to start a family or to move to the suburbs. And a lot of those Manhattanites, their timeline for moving has been pushed up. So they're moving out now, taking advantage of the mortgage rates and no longer paying for their leases because they don't have to commute to their offices anymore. Um, and they're moving out now rather than in a few years. So all of those factors are making just, there be a lot more vacancies in Manhattan and fewer people who are on the rentals market demanding for. So you're market. saying that, uh, I'm not sure, if, nobody's got to know the exact figures, but a lot of these people that were out, that moved out, were already on their way out anyway. It's just this, pandemic essentially expedited that population to move out and then to cycle out is what you're saying, correct? Yes. So it, the pandemic has expedited the, natu the natural attrition rate of the city. So typically a few people will move out of the city every year as they plan on moving to the suburbs or starting families or sending their kids to school. And the pandemic has just expedited that timeline for a lot of families in New York City. Interesting. I see. Uh, so let's go, let's focus the two markets. We have Brooklyn and we have Manhattan. And I'm a very religious tracker of StreetEasy's daily Manhattan rental count. It's the easiest number to find. You know, you go into the rentals tab, you go into either Click Manhattan or Brooklyn, and then no filters, just straight up, I wanna see everything. And then you'll actually see the number of vacancies on the top. Uh, 
for each uh, borough. So for Manhattan, just to give you a quick uh, update as of what I see right now, between uh, two, 1 or two, one, one or two o'clock today, I counted 23,568 vacancies. And then I checked again right before we jumped on our call and we're, we have 66 more apartments hit the market in those about two, three hours. Uh, we're at 23,634 vacancies as of right before about 3 p.m. Uh, for your listener, for you listeners, we're recording this on September 8th, uh, September 8th, Tuesday, the day after Labor Day. So, you know, I, yeah, partially, I think, you know, a lot of the landlords or brokers were maybe away for the weekend or they wanted to get some of the inventory off the market so they don't have to pay those daily fees. Uh, so then they, they released a bunch of apartments today. That's probably why there's such a big uptick. But to give you kind of a sense of um, that being Manhattan and then the contrast of, you know, Brooklyn, um, you know, the Brooklyn is hovering, has hovered around 10,340 to 50, 10,350 to 10,360 vacancies uh, throughout the entire pandemic. Uh, to give you a little bit more context, uh, Brooklyn has not hit the 11,000 vacancy figure since when I started recording the numbers, which was back in early July, uh, which was about a week after phase two uh, uh, opening, um, which was on June 22nd. So you know, let me ask you the question of, you know, my, the question will be, why is there such a big stark contrast between the hit of vacancy rates that Manhattan has taken versus Brooklyn, which obviously Brooklyn's year-over-year -year figures are, are still higher this year in terms of vacancy, but the, the impact hasn't been as substantial, substantially devastating compared to uh, the Manhattan itself. Yeah, so Manhattan has, the rentals market in Manhattan has been hit harder than the rentals market has in Brooklyn. And it's because Manhattan tends to be higher priced. Manhattan has that commute premium and Manhattan's apartments tend to be smaller. Mm -hmm. So during the pandemic, a lot of preferences have changed for people. Before, New Yorkers always faced the trade-off when renting a, an apartment between commute time and affordability. And now the trade-off has become about affordability and getting all the space and amenities that you want. Okay. So now with that preference in mind, a lot of people whose leases are up are moving from Manhattan to Brooklyn in order to get for the same price, a much bigger space or that in unit washer and dryer that they just couldn't have in Manhattan Coveted. and coming. Yeah. And making that trade off now. So Brooklyn is still seeing pretty good demand that is coming from Manhattan. I would say that there's less demand for rentals across the city because just people are moving out of the city temporarily but there's still relatively more demand in Brooklyn than in Manhattan. And just to put some context on the numbers here, we just got our August stats for the whole month okay. an hour ago. So we oh. saw that in the month of August, Manhattan had 40,971 units on the market through at, at any point in August. So that is a 93.9% increase year over year. So the number of, listings on Manhattan's rentals market nearly doubled this August versus last August. So that's a lot more inventory out there. 
Oh my goodness. That can, can you elaborate again on 40,000 units on the market? Does that mean 40,000 40, units hit the market uh, and then they either were rented or they came on, came off the market or they're still on the market is what you're saying, right? Yeah. So, so if, all the markets that came at on the market at some point correct. in August. So if, if I, so if I counted 23,000 units today, then 17,000 units were rented in Manhattan for the month of August, about if we're talking 40,000 units coming on the market. And then within those 17,000 units, we're maybe talking a few of those units were either temporary off the market, never rented, uh, or maybe, I don't know, the owner moved back in or did something with it, or maybe hit the sales market. Would that be yeah, accurate? That would be one way if the unit stayed on the market the entire month. It could also be the case that about 2,500 were on the market in the beginning of August, and then some came off and others came on, and it just averaged out to about 23, 25. I'm sorry, 4,000, you said 4,000, so 1,300, I said 13,000, I said 1,300. Yeah, okay, got it, yes. So, it, but at one, uh, but at any point in time, it, it just means that that's the number of vacancies that Manhattan saw in August. Yeah. Now, I'm really happy that we're not at 40,000 vacancies in Manhattan right now, because that would mean that nobody was re-renting the apartments that came on the market which would mean a real, that would, be, that would spell big trouble, especially because of that, it, but the fact that we have about 20,000 vacancies right now means that there are still people re-renting properties in Manhattan. Yeah, there are people re-renting properties and it usually comes at a huge concession or a discount, but there's a lot of room for negotiation right now for people who are thinking of renewing their leases or who are thinking of moving into and taking over someone else's lease. Yeah, I said this in my previous episode. I, I represent about 275 to 300 individual owners in the city, condo co-op. And they all have tenants in them. And, and we, we try to do our best to keep them built. Now, one of the challenges that I've seen this year and will probably continue to see at the end of the year is 100% of our landlords that we represent who had experienced vacancy after June 22nd, phase two, have lost money. No one made more in rent. No one made more in a rental increase. And no one made the same amount of money because they kept the rental same because obviously taxes go up every year, carrying costs go up every year. So uh, you know, I'm not even counting inflation and, and who knows where that's gonna be at the end of the year. But that, those are factors as a landlord that they all have to consider. And yes, every one of our clients, unfortunately, lost some sort of income, whether in, vacancy uh, or obviously cost of turning the apartment over, whether it's painting or cleaning uh, or what you just said, concessions. Concessions have been rampant. Yes, concessions have been rampant and we're actually seeing record high rates of concessions coming onto the market. So as of August, 36.6% of listings had a concession at some point during that month. And that is an increase of 22.7% year over, 22.7 percentage points year over year. So over a third of rentals are offering one or two months free lease or even more than that in order to attract renters to come see the apartments on the market. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, let's, let's talk about concessions since we're here. What neighborhoods are you seeing have the most concessions or higher number of rents that are free? 
we're seeing the most concessions in Midtown overall. In particular, Midtown South and Midtown West, they both have almost half of the rentals in those neighborhoods have had a concession in August. And Midtown overall tends to be, Midtown and FIDI tend to be the weakest markets in Manhattan currently. And they're also the markets where there's the most office buildings. So these are apartments that are freeing up and having less demand as people are working from home and no longer going into the offices and don't need that that apartment that's right by their work. There is a direct correlation between vacancy rates in office space and vacancy rates in rental buildings, especially in neighborhoods where you just said are dominated by office space. Yes, that's exactly what we're seeing. Mm -hmm. Now, where are we seeing the least number of concessions amidst, amid, this pan, amid this pandemic that we're in in Manhattan? Do you have that data? We're seeing the least concessions in Surprisingly, the Upper West Side. Interesting. I would have and, guessed. I wouldn't have guessed it actually. Yeah, actually, the rents. So the market in Manhattan that's the strongest is Upper Manhattan, where Inwood and Harlem and those neighborhoods farther up north are, and that makes sense because that's ten, that's the most affordable part of Manhattan. Correct. But Correct. the second most affordable part of Manhattan, where where prices are, where rents are not falling as much, is the Upper East Side. So the Upper East Side is doing. The second well across, okay. yeah, across the across the borough. But Upper West Side is actually having, or Upper East Side is actually having the second most concessions relative to right after Midtown. So I think it means that the upper, so the Upper West Side is overall having less demand, but the Upper East Side is they have fewer inventory on the market, but the ones that are on the market are offering a lot of good deals, and perhaps that's why. They're getting rented off the market easier because they are offering these good deals in a place where people will move to if they have a, a good concession. Right. Now, now, I would be curious to know why the Upper West Side is performing so well or don't have to offer as many concessions. You know, maybe because the Upper West Side compared to the Upper East Side, Upper West is landmarked. So there's less high rise buildings. There's more townhomes. Uh, there's more brownstones that people can live in. And when, they're, when the neighborhoods are landmarked, there's less inventory compared to the Upper East Side, where Upper East Side is almost predominantly all concession ridden because there's so many high-rise buildings. There's just way more inventory. There's a lot more options, a lot more pickings to choose from. Uh, I, I don't know what, do you think, do you think I'm, I'm on something there or do you think that, that I'm accurate there or do you think it's maybe something else? I would agree with that. I think that's definitely one factor we do see that concessions are much more likely on larger rental buildings, and there's a lot more of those in Midtown and Upper East Side and FIDI, whereas there's fewer in Upper West Side. Right. In Upper West Side, there's also the case that there's a lot of buildings that are, there's a lot more co-ops on the Upper West Side, and so there's not a lot, and those tend to be right. not rented. So the inventory is just, then the selection is also lower there. But in general, Upper West Side and Upper East Side, I think they're both, Upper West Side is getting, good demand and Upper East Side is offering concessions, but still getting good demand because these are close to Central Park and green space is super important for Manhattan renters right now. So people who do want to stay in Manhattan are more so looking above, above Midtown South and looking into Upper East and Upper West Side than Upper Manhattan rather than going below in FIDI and Midtown. Right, right. That, that, that makes sense. Well, before the pandemic, where, where did you live? What neighborhood did you live in? Before the pandemic, 
I lived in Hudson Yards and before that in Chinatown. So both in Manhattan and Chinatown is doing pretty well right now. Lower Manhattan in general is having some really awesome deals right now. It's still a desirable place to live. And we're seeing a lot of, a lot of rentals come off the market really quickly in that neighborhood. Um, in it, Chinatown, I would just go there for the, I would just live there for the food. I mean, the food options, the Hong Kong supermarket. I mean, you have, it's, it's, it's some of the best, most affordable and tasty neighborhoods in Manhattan. Exactly. The food is great. It's easy to walk everywhere and yes. you're like basically in takeout paradise. So. Yes. yes, exactly. It's amazing. Uh, what was, what was your favorite part about living out in Hudson Yards? Hudson Yards was weird i like <laughs> i don't know if i have a favorite part about living in hudson yards uh -huh. it was like very new and shiny and expensive were you but, there uh were you there during the build out of of the neighborhood with 15 coming up five hudson coming up you know those the high rises coming up or were you there before during the construction era i was there when i lived there there was all the new construction was still going on mm -hmm. and i was just sharing a an apartment with a few friends and they happened to want to live there. So we, that's how we ended up there. Mm -hmm. But I would say that, I mean, being close to Hell's Kitchen was pretty nice because there's a lot of good options for like convenience and for food over there. Hudson Yards in general is pretty empty. And I actually think that demand there is going to be a bit low for the upcoming season, like during due to COVID, especially because there's just a lot of expensive condos there that aren't currently being sold or aren't being sold as quickly right now there's a lot of foreign demand there as well which has also declined due to travel restrictions due to travel restrictions so it's going to be an interesting time for hudson yards upcoming months slash years we can, we can touch base on that a little bit later too about the sales market and, and, and what you think you'll see uh but going back to you know you uh, just as a consumer uh if you're coming back to, when you come back to new york city or let's just say uh two scenarios you're a either a fresh graduate or maybe in your early 20s and you're moving into Manhattan for the first time and you don't have a roommate. You want to try to find something on your own. Uh, which neighborhoods would be, uh, let's just say, the most bargain neighborhoods in Manhattan and why? Ooh. I think now is a really good time for people who want to live alone and find a studio or a one bedroom anywhere in Manhattan. Basically. <laughs> anywhere, okay. And that's not something that I ever thought I would say. <laughs> so looking on the market right now, I'm seeing insane discounts for just luxury studios in FIDI that used to be 3,600 a month now drop down to 24 or 25. With and a I knew, Yeah. And I like know some friends who rented some of those studios who were just moving to the city because they wanted to be in New York for all the deals. So there's places everywhere for, for students and for new grads. I think if, you, if, if you're looking for an apartment with all the amenities, not that gyms are open, but if you want an in-wash yeah. unit washer and dryer, Fidei yeah. and Midtown are good places. And you can even negotiate a lot more off the price now because of the fact that amenities aren't really being used right now. So that's good for, for those. But then if you're looking into like an older brownstone or the brick lined New York city living situation that upper West side has a lot of good deals right now as well. And you'll get a lot more space and be closer to central park for the green space for about the same price. The reason why I'm asking you the second question is, 
not because of uh, not not you particular you in particular, but let's just say someone that is already in their thirties uh, or forties, kind of advancing in their career. Uh, they have a larger budget, and maybe they can they have maybe they might have more options because now they're looking at two bedrooms, three bedrooms, four bedrooms, or lofts, even uh, large lofts. You know, are what where would a consumer like that be looking, and, and would the answer be the same as what you just said anywhere in Manhattan? I would say for those apartments, hmm, let me think. There's a lot of, there's still a lot of good deals in Manhattan, even for no matter what size of apartment you're looking for. Lower East Side now has a lot of new, con new rental buildings that have recently been offering some really good concessions. Yeah, sure, right by the low line. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's like all the amenities that you can ask for in terms of shopping and convenience in restaurants, but also just these amazing apartments that are coming up over there. But I'm particularly fascinated by the market right now in Brooklyn and Queens along the waterfront. So sure. I'm seeing a lot of deals in Dumbo now that haven't come up before. And that's going to be a great area to get a good deal right now to also find a really nice place to live and sign, lock in that one or two year lease and still have access to the waterfront, to a lot of trains. That's a, it's comparable to Manhattan in terms of convenience, but you get so much more for like the view and all the, the uniqueness. Sure. Do, do you think the Dumbo market is going to be one of the more uh, least affordable markets because of the desirability, even during this pandemic? Or do you think it'll continue to be flat and you'll find some good, good, you know, good deals? Because, you know, Dumbo is vastly different from downtown Brooklyn, where downtown Brooklyn, you have significantly more high rises. And uh, same thing as we just talked about with the Upper West Side, you know, the more desirable areas in that neighborhood, like Brooklyn Heights and Cobble Hill and Dumbo are all also landmarked. So not as many options as many people may be led to believe, just like the Upper West Side. They may be performing better, don't you think? In Brooklyn, so you're totally right that in downtown Brooklyn, because of all the inventory there, it's been a weaker market relative to other parts of Brooklyn. Dumbo surprisingly has had a lot more deals now than ever before. And I think it gets to the factor about commuting time. So the farther areas in Brooklyn, such as Bushwick and Bed-Stuy, those markets are actually seeing increases in rents and increased demand as more and more people are moving farther out. But as long as you're closer to Manhattan and as long as people aren't commuting to work, then the rents in Dumbo as well as downtown Brooklyn have all been falling recently because there's just not as much demand to live close to Manhattan for that commute time. Interesting. So then now this question leads back to you. When, when you do move back into New York City, which neighborhood would you be looking into? I have been looking into we'll everywhere in oh, lower Manhattan. <laughs> Not Hudson Yards, <laughs> but I've been looking into lower Manhattan, Upper West Side, Dumbo and downtown Brooklyn, Williamsburg, and like Fort Greene, that area. My safe searches is in those areas. And okay. I'm just surprised because that's always been my safe search places. And usually I see maybe fewer than 10 new listings within budget a day. And now I'm just seeing notifications for over a hundred new listings. Yeah. Like every day. So, so there's so many good options right now. It's insane. I, I'm really excited to go back and just find a good apartment. Does that tempt you to maybe going into the, let's just say the crystal ball is not so crystal anymore. It's very foggy. 
But going into the next three months, four months, even you know January, February, do you think the rate, the rental vacancy rates, A, and the rental rates will be uh, higher and lower respectively? Or do you feel like now is the time to time the best part as far as low rents are concerned? And maybe it's better if you're a renter to pull the trigger now, or maybe even you might be more tempted to kind of come in earlier while it's still low because you don't know if this is gonna to continue to last as a, as a renter. From my perspective into the crystal ball, I definitely see rents continuing to fall for an extended period of time until the economy starts coming back into full force and more people are moving back to the city for employment. The number of rentals that have come onto the market the past summer due to vacancies is much higher than the number of New Yorkers that would have to move into the, into the city for sure. rents to go down. Sure. So it could be the case that more people are moving back in September and taking these units off the market, but it's not going to be anywhere close to the rate at which we're seeing the empty apartments stay on the market. So it's going to be a long fall ahead. And as more people's leases expire in September and August throughout the end of the year, we're going to see more rentals come onto the apartment then. So, so that's why I didn't even ask why aren't you coming back now? There's a reason for that. And you're betting on the fact that it'll, that will happen. So you'll come back in January or February. That's what I'm expecting. Yes. <laughs> that's great. That's, um, I read a article yesterday and I also do some research myself, but a compass real, uh, real estate broker in California, Sally Foster Jones, she's one of the top agents uh, out in California and she's fielding numerous calls apparently from New York City of people that want their winter homes. Now that school is on Zoom and virtual, work from home, why not go to maybe a warmer state? But on the vice versa side, uh, I myself, I, I'm, a big, I, I'm a big fan of snowboarding and I've been snowboarding since I was a kid. I was looking at some houses with my friends and there is, you can go up you know, Vail, Telluride, Crested Butte, uh, Aspen, there's not much you can get on a pretty high budget. <laughs> or if you try to up your budget, you know, I have some friends that are willing to, not myself, but some friends that are willing to pay uh, 10 grand a month, maybe a little bit more. But the things that you can get are, I would say not very impressive. So there is a, there seems to be a huge demand of these winter homes that people want now because of Corona and work from home. And um, I, I, I find that fascinating and also uh, somewhat ironic for the city. Yeah, there's been some destination places right now that are seeing a lot of demand. And Zillow has found that there's been no decrease in, there's been an increase in demand in basically all metropolitan and suburban areas in the city but not so much for New York City and San Francisco. So New York City and San Francisco are the two exceptions because everywhere else you can find a reason. There's affordability in areas in the suburbs. And in places like LA, there's the view and the climate. Mm -hmm. In places like Aspen or Colorado, there's also the, the factor of the climate. So there's, these places are having a lot of demand still, but New York City and San Francisco, where prices have been highly inflated in the past few years just due to the sheer number of people who live there and the people who have to work there, the strong job markets. These are areas where we're seeing lower demand during these months of COVID when people have options to go elsewhere temporarily. But I have no doubt that New York City will return to even a stronger market than we've seen in the past 
just like after the Great Recession, New York City bounced back and rent and prices went from falling 10% year over year to rising 10% year over year because yeah. the city just recovered so rapidly. And once the economy is back up in full force, people are going to want to come back to New York City and be here because it's still the greatest city in the world with the most dining options, the most, the best food, the most things to do. So I'm still very excited to come back to the city and see how it recovers. I love your optimistic outlook. There's always a silver lining in every situation that we're in. And, you know, these are the lows, but, you know, we experience the lows to enjoy the highs. A couple more questions for you before we wrap up, because I know you're very busy. Pretend that I am a major landlord in New York City, uh, Ogden Cap, or maybe a related, maybe a Glenwood or Pan Equities, or maybe the Mediterranean family or, you know, XYZ, so LaFrac organization or uh, this goes on. Uh, I own several high-rise buildings, many thousand units, and obviously the vacancies in New York City may, according to what you say, and what you said earlier, we may be over, well over 25,000 vacancies at any given point in time during the months of uh, October, November, December, and January. Uh, what is you're trying to advise me? I hire you to consult us on how to navigate this new climate. Uh, what is your advice, maybe two, one or two things that you would say as far as advice is concerned to ensure that our operation survives this pandemic? Ooh. Now, I don't know much about business operations, but as an, economist. as an economist in terms of markets, I would say there are a lot of places in the outer boroughs, such as we're seeing Astoria, and I mentioned Bed-Stuy and Bushwick, where markets are doing really well. And there's opportunities there to, if they have apartments there, to offer them um, I mean, I don't want to say raise rents, but there's a lot of demand in those neighborhoods right now. But, you know, the landlords that I just rattled off, they all mostly just own in Manhattan. Okay. So in terms of in Manhattan, right now is a time where there's going to be concessions that are offered in order to find some renters rather than have no renters. And right now it's extremely competitive. Renters are facing all kinds of deals on the market right now. So it's that trade-off between like offering another month of concessions or lowering the rent versus not having renters at all. So it's going to be, it's definitely a renter's market right now. And a lot of negotiations are going to be, have to be factored in. So, so, so your advice would be to these landlords would be to continue to offer concessions and just be competitive with your concessions. Is that what you were saying? I would say concessions or discounts. I know landlords tend to prefer concessions to keep the gross rent high for when the market recovers. We are seeing that there's, much, there's a much higher share of concessions on the market than discounts. And I think consumers, from a consumer's point of view, many consumers are more motivated by discounts because it makes more intuitive, intuitive sense and they're not paying that higher monthly check. So I would suggest looking into both. Like if you're only offering concessions right now, look into discounts as well, but just negotiating with your potential renters to offer any possible deals available. Right. Our consumers are not motivated by the gross. They're motivated by the net. They don't care about what their gross monthly is. They want to pay the net monthly rather than getting all these free concessions at either the beginning of the or the or the end of the contractual term is what you're saying. Consumers, yes, they would prefer that. Um, I know that 
when a street easy rental has a listing at a discount advertised on the market that attracts a lot more consumer interest than when a listing comes onto the market advertising that it has a few months free rent. Right. Understood. Uh, and then the last part of the question is now, now that you're not consulting, you're not consulting landlords anymore. You are now consulting real estate brokerages. So you're speaking in front of, let's just say 2000 compass agents today, or you're speaking in front of uh, 10,000 um, Douglas Elliman city habitats agents today. Uh, and the brokerage head asks you, you know, please, you know, tell the brokers like what you're going to, you know, how they should be advising their clients, how they should, what they should expect this winter. Uh, what would you tell, what would you say to these brokers? I would say, so to yeah. clarify, are the clients, <laughs> are the clients renters or are the clients other like, Agents. Not both. They'll probably be the clients will be the the brokers' clients will be landlords and renters and investors like myself. Like I have a lot of one-off owners, uh, one-off owners of condos and co-ops that you know they they want to rent their home, um, and also you know I have team members that take out renters. You know a lot of brokers here have renters with budgets of anywhere from you know fifteen hundred a month to a hundred thousand dollars a month. That makes sense. I would say it depends on the building. If the building is a condo that has similar amenities and similar features to other condos, then the differentiating factor is going to be price. So offering the best deals is going to be what's attracting renters. But if you are the owner of a building that's more historic and you have a few rentals available in a loft or an older building that has some historic aspect to it that's unique, then that alone can speak for itself and you are probably already having a lot more demand on those offerings, but playing up those features, having really good photos of those homes would help a lot. Good, good. So I'm sure a lot of the brokers, we have a lot of Compass brokers that follow the show. So I'm sure they, I'm sure they would appreciate your, uh, your advice on that. Uh, but yeah, anyways, I just wanted to, um, you know, I know you're busy, so I'm going to have to let you go, but uh, I wanted to thank you uh, very much on uh, your uh, knowledge and outlook of New York City and what you expect or what you might expect to this coming winter. Uh, some, of you, some of the listeners on here that are renters right now may hold off on their moving now and because of what you said, hold off in February or January. Uh, and um, that may cause, uh, you know, since you are the leader of the market, that may cause the the vacancies actually decreased now that you announced that. <laughs> so maybe you want to move <laughs> a little bit earlier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I would say, I forgot one piece of advice for, um, for brokers. I would say that yeah. 3D tours are really hot right now. And we're seeing that listings, rental listings that have a 3D home tour video on the listing mm -hmm. are seeing more than twice as many contacts. Say that again, please repeat that. that that's very interesting. 3D tours are seeing so, how many times? Homes with 3D tours, rentals with 3D tours, we're seeing 122% more contacts. So renters who watched a home video were that much were twice as likely to contact a rental that if they saw a little bit going a little bit deeper into that. When you say 3D tours, are you referring to the Matterport or are you referring to an agent doing a little iPhone tour of the of the home? So StreetEZ has a feature where you can use the, I think you use your phone and you do a tour of the home where there's a feature where you can record a 3D home tour on 
and then upload it onto the listing. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I use it. We use that. Yes. And then some agents, if, if they have the money for it, they'll, they'll do a Matterport 3d tour with a floor plan style, um, tour of, of, of the home. Uh, the only problem is for rentals because the profit margins, as far as deals are concerned, is not that high and Matterport's cost more. It's not very, it's not an efficient business model. That makes sense. Right. Right. But yeah, but, even yeah. like just a video or something would be really helpful, to, especially because a lot of renters are still social distancing and looking at listings online right now before visiting them in person. So it's definitely a good way to differentiate your listing from others. Yeah, no, that, that, that certainly makes sense. Yeah. So that, that, but I didn't know about the 122% figure that had 122% more contacts. That's a, a very interesting statistic. Uh, that I think um, maybe a lot of our professionals did not even know. I don't think consumers have no idea, but that makes sense. I mean, if you're a consumer, you would just feel significantly more comfortable being able to uh, not waste your time checking maybe on a subway or, you know, going to someone's building or someone, someone's apartment that they live in only to find out that it's nothing like the photos that they were looking at. Yeah, exactly. Okay, great. Nancy, uh, is there anything else that you want to touch base on to wrap up or any few, uh, few last words, parting words that you would like to uh, tell, our, uh, tell our audience? Parting words? I would just repeat that the market in Manhattan has a lot of competition from different listings right now. And to make your listings stand out to renters, think about the concessions, about the the discounts and of course the quality of the photos and being as descriptive and as possible on the street easy listing but it's going to be a really interesting few months and i'm excited as a renter but i think the city will recover in shortly after the pandemic good well that's all for, uh that's all for that today i really appreciate your time nancy uh you know for the listeners again you can follow nancy on twitter at nancy f Wu. And uh, obviously find her on LinkedIn. Once again, Nancy Wu. Nancy, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Hopefully, you know, our recovery is going to be a, a better U-shaped recovery than a, uh, a long U-shaped recovery as, uh, as uh, some, may have, some may expect in the future. So once again, thank you so much for your time and uh, stay in touch. Thank you, Robbie.